You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone, a busy Monday afternoon at UC Health Training Center. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by Eric Dalala. Eric? Phil, I know the Broncos didn't just lose again on a last-second field goal. Deja vu, if you will. All over again. Three times uh, this season that the Broncos have given up a uh, final drive that ended in a field goal that put the opposing team over the top. Can't happen tough, again, I don't think. Tough. tough. I didn't think it was, could happen uh, three times. Could it happen four? Maybe. Hope, uh, hope not. Hope not. Uh, also joining us in studio is our intern extraordinaire, Emily Samanskis. Emily? Hello. Hello. Uh, tough news uh, here at UC Health Training Center, though, on this Monday, as uh, head coach Vic Fangio started off his press conference with a bang. Jones is not going to play this week. Uh, he's got a disc or neck injury that he'll definitely miss this week. And then we'll reevaluate after the bye and see where it's at. So they'll reevaluate uh, Joe Flacco after the bye week, meaning that uh, Brandon Allen will be your starting quarterback this Sunday against the Browns. Yeah, and uh, Joe was sacked several times on Sunday against the Colts. Uh, knocked down there on that last play. Vic said he wasn't sure if that was the play that re-aggravated it. Uh, Joe said after the game he'd been dealing with kind of a neck strain for a few weeks. Turns out it's a herniated disc. Um, but he was getting knocked around. We saw him getting some work done during the game uh, on his neck. Vic said there wasn't a chance that Joe was going to come out of the game. But obviously now you're without your starting quarterback uh, for it seems like what could be an extended period of time. Vic didn't rule out IR or surgery for Joe Flacco. Yeah, he said that IR was not going to be something that's possible for today, but that after they do some further evaluations after the bye week, that might be the direction that they go in, which means that it's pretty serious if he wasn't just going to completely rule out IR. That means that maybe there's something more going on there. We know that... Uh, coming to the Broncos from Baltimore, Joe Flacco had some back issues. So, you know, once you get to this point in your career, when you get hit a lot, you know, things start to uh, deteriorate a little bit. And that was a fear coming into the season or even when the Broncos first signed Joe Flacco, we knew there might be some injury concerns with him. I mean, at your age, Phil, you certainly know what that's like when the old body doesn't work quite the way it used to. I know about herniated discs in the lower back, mm. not in the neck. Got it. I don't know which but one's preferable. A lot a lot of pain there, though, obviously. Uh, and this was something that Flacco I was asked about after the game. And he said, look, I this is something I've been dealing with. And he kind of just brushed it aside like it wasn't a big deal. But come Monday morning, maybe it was a little bit more serious. Fangio believed that Flacco had an MRI and it obviously revealed a uh, herniated disc. Yeah, and this is about the time last year that he got knocked out for the season with a, a hip injury. Um, and for those who don't remember in Baltimore, he was knocked out for a few games. Lamar Jackson came in, and then Joe was actually cleared to come back, but Lamar Jackson was playing well enough that Flacco kind of stayed as the backup for the rest of the year, um, but got through nine games last year in Baltimore, eight this year in Denver. Um, got to be frustrating for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, it's 
you talk about deja vu for the Broncos to lose on a, you know, a final field goal there. This is a lot of deja vu for Joe Flacco. Well, I just suspect in general, he's probably not thrilled with the way the season's gone. Probably not what he expected when he was traded here. Um, and Vic Fangio said, because we all we all heard those comments about that Joe made after the game of let's be more aggressive. We're acting like we're like we've got something to lose. We're two and six. Let's go after it. And Vic said Monday, hey, we're all frustrated with what's going on. And I think this is just kind of another thing that adds to that frustration. Yeah, most definitely. And I'm not sure about surgery. Uh, Fangio was asked about that and said he wasn't sure. But now the Broncos turn to Brandon Allen. He was drafted in the sixth round in 2016 to the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, and then came to Denver via the Los Angeles Rams. Has never taken a rep in, a, in an actual NFL game. Yeah, and uh, I think 63.9 quarterback rating this preseason. He played pretty well against the Broncos when the Broncos went there during the preseason. Um, but yeah, he's gonna. it's going to be a different uh, ball game for him when he takes that first snap against a Browns defense that has a lot of talent. Um, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. Um, who else you got in there? They got a, a whole roster full of great defenders. No. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they... Uh, you could argue that their defense has not been the issue so far. No. And, uh, you know, Brandon Allen talked about, okay, how comfortable do you think that he'll be, you know, making his first NFL start? Fangio said he's going to be about as comfortable as he can be. And then he was asked later on in his press conference about how many practice reps does Allen get during the week? And uh, here was what Fangio had to say about that. He hadn't gotten a lot. I can't put a percentage on it, you know. 15%, 20% of the practice plays. But I do think, um, you know, I've seen him a lot on the scout team and when he's been in there a little bit on offense. I think the guy's got a little something to him and uh, we'll devise a plan for him. He's got a little something to him. What do you think that meant? Some oomph. A little spark to him, huh? I guess so. Well, let's be real, though. You can't really tell a lot from a guy running scout team, though. No, I mean, it's... And Vic said that before when it comes to guys like Duke Dawson. Duke Dawson? And Devontae Harris. And he's been asked about how, how do you get those guys ready? And he said it's tough in season to give people the reps they need. And that's at a position where they're going to be like, you know, they're going to be playing even if they don't start. Whereas with Brandon Allen, you don't really give them any reps because you don't expect them to play. Yeah. And um, it's, it's hard for us to really make a lot of comments about Brandon Allen because he wasn't here for the preseason. But Fangio said, look, that Rams' offense is similar to some of the things we, the Broncos like to do. So yeah, uh, hard I, to I, comment really about what to expect from Allen. You really just don't know what you're going to get here. Yeah, and that uh, the Broncos have benefited at times the last few years from being in the opposite situation, kind of being in the, the Brown situation. But I think back to last year when the, Brown, when the Broncos played Cincinnati and Andy Dalton got hurt the week before we played there and Jeff Driscoll came in and nobody really knew what to expect from Jeff Driscoll. And there was kind of this notion around the building all week that, oh, maybe Jeff Driscoll's the worst matchup because you don't know what you're going to get on film. And then the Broncos went out and completely dominated the game. <laughs> yeah. and, and so it is hard to... Uh, to know exactly what you're going to get from him. But with an offense that scored 13 points on uh, Sunday and six against the Kansas City Chiefs and 16 the week before, you know, it's been some tough sledding. I can't imagine that Brandon Allen is going to come in there and push him to 30 points all of a sudden. 
Yeah, I mean, that being said, I don't think that Joe Flacco's really been the primary problem for the Broncos offense, but uh, I agree with you. I think that the you heard the last thing that Fangio said there was, we're going to devise a plan for him. That means, look, it, we're not going to just go out there and pretend that Joe Flacco's the quarterback. We're going to have to make a plan for Brandon Allen. And I imagine that the Broncos, they already like to win by running the ball and playing strong defense. I don't think that's going to change this week. No, I agree. They're going to have to do those things better, though, because there's going to be more attention on Philip Lindsay and Cortland Sutton because they're going to say, okay, Brandon Allen beat us. And if you can exactly. beat us, then we'll live with it. But they're not going to let Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman run for 100 yards each. And they're not going to let. Well, sometimes the Broncos will just have to impose their will and say, we're going to run it now. And there's nothing you can do about it. Well, they decided they were going to run it on Sunday. And a lot of people had a problem with that. That's true. And we'll get into the Broncos play calling a little bit long, uh, later on here about a particular third down and five call. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But Eric, uh, Brandon Allen making this start this week, but that's not the quarterback that most of Broncos country wants to see. Brett Rippon. Drew Locke. Oh. <laughs> the Broncos will have to make a decision this week as to who will be Brandon Allen's backup. And that's either going to be Brett Rippon, who could be activated from the Broncos practice squad, or they'll have to activate Drew Locke from IR, which he is eligible to become activated from. Yeah, kind of an interesting uh, little wrinkle here. We've been hearing for weeks about you can activate these guys for practice for two weeks and then they can return to the game. Uh, but what no one really talked about was that you can skip that practice step once you get to the eight-week mark. And so yep. it's possible that they activate Drew Locke on, like if you want to have competitive balance, I don't think, or competitive advantage, I don't think you'd do this because you want him to practice, but you could hypothetically you know, wait till Saturday to activate Drew Locke to the actual roster. You could have him practice the first few days and then wait to make that move between Rippon and Locke uh, if you wanted to maybe have a, a little card up your sleeve. But Vic did say no chance that Drew Locke starts. Yeah, nice little card there. Who's going to be the backup quarterback? <laughs> Real competitive advantage, but they could do that. Uh, here's what Fangio had to say about Locke's status. Well, we just have to decide, too, if uh, Drew is – ready you know even before we because uh, we may not even activate his two-week window you know, make a decision there because you know he hadn't done anything in a huddle or a practice since what was it the second or third preseason game he got hurt you know that's a long time ago so we want to make sure he's ready before we put him out there the ready part of that does not mean Locke's thumb which he hurt against the 49ers during the preseason his thumb is fine he can grip a football and throw the football. Whether what Fangio is talking about there is if Locke is ready, he means is he ready to go out there, get a play call in his helmet, deliver that in the huddle, and then go execute it? Well, we remember the first day that Drew Locke was here, he talked about how he was swimming, drinking from a fire hose, all that sort of stuff. And then he said that it kind of slowed down a little bit when he got through OTAs a little bit, was a little bit better in training camp. I thought in preseason from – you know, the Hall of Fame game to Seattle to San Francisco, he looked drastically better each week. But you just don't know where that progress is now because he's been out for so long and maybe he's been doing all that augmented reality stuff, but that can't... Virtual come. reality. Augmented? I think it might be augmented. I don't think it's virtual. Oh. Could be wrong, though. Maybe both. Maybe. Um, anyway, uh, 
you want to make sure that he hasn't taken steps back in that progression because if he can't go in the huddle and deliver a play call or you know get people lined up at the line of scrimmage and make checks he's not going to have any chance of being successful yeah well I don't I also remember that Locke was like yeah I use I recorded my play calls in the huddle and then I went back and like listened to them and did them in the mirror so while Locke hasn't been able to be out there for practice hopefully he's been doing these things on the side doing some of that individual work where he's learned the offense now and he's you know in meeting rooms thinking about things and going over the game plans each week so that he could be ready for a moment like this i do think there's like a natural tendency though that if you're told you're going to get two weeks of practice before you are possibly added or you see reports that say drew's not going to be the be on the roster until later in the season maybe there's a natural tendency to not maybe push yourself the same way you would if you hear that hey i could be active this week yeah but if you're a professional athlete i mean that's drew Locke's job is to be ready for this so no of course but i mean you hear everybody talk about when they're a backup like i'm sure brandon allen will prepare differently differently this week he might not say he's going to prepare differently this week it's a little different when you know you're going to be playing exactly so um hopefully drew has kept up kind of that sense of urgency that it sounded like he had during otas because I liked what I saw from from Drew. Now, is it the best idea to have him as the backup this week? I don't know. I wouldn't have a problem if they said, hey, Brett's our best chance right now because he's at least taken some reps, uh, done a few more things. And then maybe after the bye week, whether it's that Minnesota game uh, in week 11 or the Buffalo game in week 12, then maybe turn to Drew Locke. I I do think if Flacco is out for an extended period of time, and and we don't know yet if he's going to miss one game or the next eight, but if he's out... Drew Locke has to be the guy that plays. Yeah, I agree. And with regards to this week, I mean, how much of a difference do you think there is where Drew Locke's been working out on his own, staying in shape, you know, getting ready because he he's working toward a goal of eventually, ideally, in his from his perspective, that he would be activated. How much of a difference is it from that for what Brett Rippon's been doing from the practice squad? I mean, we only get to see the first, like, 10, 15 minutes of practice, but the most I've seen Rippon do is really turn around and hand the ball off. So I, I, don't, I, I don't know what he's doing during team periods, but even if he's running some of the scout team plays, then there's the potential that he's at least in the huddle calling a play. I mean, I know some of this stuff they get off cards. You know, the, the quality control guys are holding up a, a play and, the guys are just running those routes. So there's no real kind of getting guys in the huddle, but it's possible that other times they are doing that. So those are at least the reps. Yeah. I guess if I had to bet, I would say that Rippon probably is a backup this week, but like you mentioned, eventually I think that where the team is now sitting at two and six, don't you think that Locke is going to have to get in the mix here at some point? Yeah. I mean, I'd go ahead and do it that first week after the bye. Oh, really? On the road at Minnesota? People at this talk, point, it doesn't people, matter. Yeah, people talk saying. about being on the road and like playing tough defenses and not wanting to throw them in. If you want, if Drew Locke is going to be the quarterback of, the, of this team of the future, 
that does what the Broncos want to do, which is go to the playoffs and compete for an AFC championship. At some point, you're going to have to go on the road and you have to play yeah, these tough but, games. But there's something to be said for throwing a kid out there and building his confidence up. And you don't want to go against one of the better defenses on the road and allow. Have you ever seen that skull thing they do there? I mean, my question is, though. <sighs> <sighs> you know, that's I think there's not, a clap involved too. Yeah. But like, say that you, that say, scares you, me on my couch. Say you hold him till the perfect start, right? You know, you wait until the easiest team you could possibly play against. It's at home. He's all cozy the night before. Like uh, Coco. Yeah. No. His hair just uh, looks, his hair looks great. It's 72 degrees with a slight breeze. Is then, he playing Q? He is playing <laughs> Q. I mean, that happens. And then the next week, he goes and plays the Patriots on the road. You know, like well, maybe you build some confidence have, or something. You don't have the luxury in the. It's not college football where there are times when you play three or four teams in a row that are bad. You know, like if Alabama's trying to work in a new quarterback, there are times when they play three or four teams in a row that are FCS teams or really low FBS. High, some high school in there. <laughs> exactly. That doesn't happen in the NFL. And so that to me is that like doesn't. if Drew Lock were to go to Minnesota, for example. And th- maybe he throws a couple picks. Maybe he fumbles the ball. But if he throws a touchdown and leads a couple scoring drives, gets the team to 14 points or so, I, th- I think you'd say, hey, that's a that's a good result. That's this kid showing what he can potentially do. What did you think about what Fangio said there, though, where he said, we're not even sure if we want to activate his two-week practice window? Or like he's like, we're not sure if Locke is ready. Well, at what point is he going to be ready? Well, that's I mean, that's what we've been talking about. Is You, you just have to... Check with probably Rich Scangarello, with T.C. McCartney, with Vic Fangio himself uh, to see if this guy has a grasp of the offense. I don't know if that's Rich Scangarello quizzing him and saying, hey, recite these play calls, or if they're going out and doing extra work this week, just a, kind of a mock huddle to see if Drew can deliver those calls, uh, making sure his footwork hasn't regressed. I mean, they can do things outside of practice that kind of give you a sense. But – when he talks about kind of not sure if they're going to activate that two-week window, I think what they don't want to do is st- say he's not ready. They don't want to activate the practice window now and then have to make him active by the time they get to that Minnesota game if Rippon is like light years ahead of him. Because then you put yourself in a position where you now have four quarterbacks on the roster and you and one of them isn't able to play because of health and one of them isn't able to play because he can't deliver the call in the huddle. So... I don't think they'll practice him until they're sure if this kid needs to play, he can play. Yeah, but I would say that two weeks, three weeks from now, they'll know whether or not Flacco is heading to IR. So of that's, course, that's but, one thing. But you probably don't want to keep three quarterbacks on the roster regardless. Yeah, you, while, while you can. But this week, they're going to have to have three quarterbacks on the roster. They will. Unless they decide this week that they're going to move Flacco to IR. Yeah, and, and Vic did not rule that out necessarily because yeah. when he went to the podium – it was something he found out 30 minutes before getting there. Exactly. And he said, today he's not going to IR. Today he's not getting surgery. But we don't know. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, Flacco could wake up Tuesday morning and it could be drastically worse, you know? Yeah. Or, I mean, you can just uh, find out more information about right, what's the happened. severity or... But I think just to wrap up this last final point here on Locke is that at some point with the way the season's going, they're going to have to just see if he can play football. Of course. That way they, they can know what they're going to do moving forward. So what I'm saying is ready or not, 
That's, that's, what, that's what I'm arguing. they got to do it. That's why I said I want him to start yeah. against Minnesota. I'm not saying he necessarily has to start against Minnesota, but he needs to at least be back in practice. Yeah. But I'm, and, I'm and saying Ready is, or not, he needs give, to do that. Give him as many opportunities, assuming this is all assuming Joe can't go. Yeah, exactly. Assuming he can't go, give Drew as many opportunities as possible. Exactly. If he flounders, okay. But at least you, you know. You, you gotta have direction. To, you need to know going into the draft next year, especially looking at what the Broncos' record is and where they could potentially pick. It's looking like they could have a top five pick right now. You need to know, do we need to take a quarterback? Exactly. Or can we take X player to help on offense? Or can we take this player to really make the defense elite? You need yes. to know. And and you will know because if if Drew Locke plays seven games or even four games or maybe even two or three, you'll know, does this kid look like if he has another training camp or another off season of prep, he can get to where uh, he needs to be? Does he look like a, a Josh Allen or a does Sam Darnold? Does he show signs? Exactly. You just need to know... Is he trending in the right direction? And that's what, I mean, a lot of those guys from last year's draft, Josh Allen showed that. The Bills didn't win a lot of games last year, but they finished with a better record than the Broncos, or maybe the same record, and there was a tie break. I think there was a... But, I just think you want to see signs like, hey, this guy, it doesn't look like the but, moment's but too that, big. But that's what I'm saying is that... That he can, he can deliver these things and Josh and Allen execute. showed signs. Sam Darnold showed signs. Baker Mayfield definitely did. Josh Rosen, to the Cardinals did not show signs, and they got rid of him and picked Kyler Murray. So you're right, but, I mean, you're going to know if he plays seven games, if he has it or not. Yeah, exactly. Or if he plays five games. (laughs) Yeah, but I I do think you probably need more than, especially the way the season's going, you probably need more than one or two games of a sample size. exactly. I think that before Flacco's injury, the Broncos were still saying, look, let's just put all of our eggs in this basket of we're going to go out there and try and win games now. I think that's still the goal, but there's a different twist to it where you have Brandon Allen starting. In an ideal world, I think Drew Locke would be starting. So oh, sure. I mean, I mean, Vic said before the season that changed. Drew was tracking to be the backup before, the, before his injury. So I think there'd be no question that had Joe gotten hurt and Drew was on the roster, he'd be the backup. Exactly. And he'd be starting. So I think but a lot of this is predicated and I think our opinions on this are shaped by we saw when Paxton Lynch was here for three years and didn't didn't start a game his first year or outside of the injuries to Trevor Simeon. He started a couple. And then the second year, 2017, he had a couple games that he started because of injuries to other people. But then he got hurt against Oakland. And then 2018, he was gone before the season started. And so we've seen what it looks like to draft a quarterback high and not, and them not get playing time. And so I suspect the Broncos are maybe they want to protect Locke, but I suspect they're wary of not making that same mistake. So uh, what's your gut tell you on Wednesday when we go out there to see the start of practice? Who's practicing? I think I think Drew Locke. Uh, I think he'll practice. You think so? But I do not think he'll be the quarter the backup quarterback. Okay. Because I think they'll say, hey, we need this week of practice. And then after the bye week, I think they'll activate him to the active roster, assuming uh, all this, assuming Joe Flacco is not healthy, um, and that maybe he'll start that game. Okay. That's that's a guess. So that is uh, our wrap up there on the Broncos quarterback situation. And it's messy now. That really uh, dominated the majority of Monday's. 
press conference with Vic Fangio. But there were a couple of other things that happened in the game that uh, need to be addressed, including Joe Flacco. What we thought the press conference was going to be about was Flacco's comments after the game about play calling and not being aggressive. Uh, Vic Fangio addressed those comments in particular What's going on with the Broncos' play calling? We're doing fine there. Obviously, there's some times where we can uh, call it better, you know, the, with the results that happen. But um, I think I think we can be a little, just be a little bit more assertive when their team is playing us the way they were playing us. So a little bit more assertive, Eric. What'd you take away from that comment? It, it just gave a little more context. I mean, Vic said that. He thought Joe's frustration about a lack of aggressiveness wasn't just in regards to that third and five, but more the second half in general. I personally think Joe's comment was directed toward that third and five, but uh, Vic gave more context there in saying that if we'd picked up three yards on that run and it was fourth and two, we probably would have gone for it. And so that kind of, I mean, obviously he could he could just be saying that it could be hindsight being twenty twenty, but that does speak a little bit more to Broncos fans saying, hey, be aggressive and go for the win here. They could have been talking on the headset of, we've got two plays here to get five yards. And the fact that the first play got zero yards changed their overall decision. Um, but I agree with Flacco's sentiment. I mean, at, when that play happened, they were two and five. You got to make something happen to win football games. And that play call maybe wasn't the, the best way to do that. Yeah, I I just think that it was a frustrating game overall offensively because at halftime it felt like the Broncos had dominated that first half, but they were up six to three. You know that that anytime that happens, it's frustrating. And I thought the same thing happened at the end of the first half when the Broncos had the ball. They really could have been more aggressive there and tried to get a field goal. They had two minutes plus when they had the ball and it looked like they were just trying to get to halftime and then the Colts get the ball back, kick a field goal. And then it's just a three point game. Right. And the same thing happened in the second half too, where they just couldn't get anything going other than that opening drive for a touchdown. Yeah. On those, those two drives in the first half, 30 plays, 159 yards held the ball for 13 minutes and 23 seconds and got six points. And one of those drives, they had first down at the three yard line and threw three incompletions in a row. The other one, they had the ball at the 11-yard line. I mean, you've got to score touchdowns there. Yeah. And that's that's where the frustration comes from, I think, is that not that this play call was bad or or we're not being aggressive here late. It's a culmination of everything of, man, we should have we should have done a better job earlier and we wouldn't have been in this position. Yeah. And not all of that is play calling because I would say that there were a couple of times where the Broncos tried to get creative. They tried to do some aggressive. They did a uh, flea flicker. It, it worked out for like 12, 15 yards, something like that, but they were trying to mix things up and get a spark going. It just never quite worked out. And one of the things, Eric, that we talked about heading into the game was that the Broncos really needed to avoid beating themselves. And for the most part, they did a good job protecting the football, but they did a couple of things in that second half where they ended up with penalties and in situations where it was first and 20. A lot of times, I think it was back-to-back drives where they were first and 20, and it's just tough to get yourself out of that hole. And even, you know, 
regardless of that, a few drives ended in Colts territory where they were like at the 44, 41-yard line where they had to punt when they were already in Colts territory. At that point, you're looking like, okay, if we just got six more yards here, 10 more yards here, we're talking about field goals. And in a game like that, when it's 13, 12, you know, lower than that, field goals can make all the difference. Yeah, of course. I mean, the Broncos defense after that, Colts touchdown, the only Colts touchdown of the day, and really the only time that they got close. The Broncos forced a three and out. Then the next drive, they force a fumble. Derek Wolf strip sacks Jacoby Brissett. The Broncos offense doesn't score. Again, Broncos give up a pass interference call, and it seems like, hey, the Colts might be moving, but they hold tight and force another punt. I mean, three times in the fourth quarter, you let them get no points. And like you said, you're in a position where just a few more yards could have given you a four-point lead. And the way that the Colts defense, or excuse me, the Broncos defense was playing, that probably would have been enough. I don't think with a minute and 30 seconds that they would have scored a touchdown. No, I don't think so either. That Broncos defense almost forced a safety. Yeah. I mean, they were playing great. So if, you, if you're blaming the defense today because of a few plays here or there, I don't think that that's the, uh, the reason the Broncos lost that game. Although Von Miller has to make that play against Jacoby Brissett. We're used to Von Miller. He's made that play a thousand times. And yeah, Von was yes. pretty emotional in the locker room afterward. He had his sunglasses on, but he was clearly upset because superstar Von Miller makes that play, and he just hasn't been himself this season. Yeah, he, and I don't, he, I, don't, I don't know if that... He played great in the game. I mean, he had quarterback pressures. I think he played like 60 to 64 snaps. He played a lot. He was involved in the run game, a lot of tackles for losses, had a half sack. I mean, he was active. It's just right in that moment, I think he was almost shocked that he was that free. Yeah, and we talked about, and I don't know if this is just me overthinking it, but because it was head on, we're so used to Vaughn coming off the edge, coming from the side where you've got a whole body to wrap around a little bit easier to do that, maybe knock the ball free. Vaughn's not used to that interior rush where you're head up on a guy, but it, it did look, it looked like Vaughn was trying to throw him to the ground or, or trying to do something. And his hand warmer, Jacoby Brissett's like hand warmer was right there, kind of got in the way. If he, if Vaughn just maybe held him there, held him up, maybe Jacoby Brissett throws it away. That's a better result. Maybe Derek Wolf gets there. Derek Wolf kind of ran into Vaughn. It looked like a little bit. I mean, that, it just, that was a situation where if you put Vaughn, if you let Vaughn break free through the line in that situation, nine times out of ten, he's going to stop Brissett. And often, maybe he forces a fumble. But in that case, didn't happen. I thought he was going to come around and just destroy him. I was standing on the field. I was right behind Brissett there, and I was like, oh. Like, I saw the little stunt that he ran with Wolf. He's been running that for years. I thought he was just going to, you know, blow him up. But it, he just went for the wrap-up. It didn't work out. And... Eric, we've seen that play happen a lot this season to the Broncos where it seems like the quarterback is wrapped up. It seems like he's done, and somehow Gardner Minshew did it to them. He escapes and makes a huge play. Well, the Broncos have now had three personal foul penalties go against them on last-second drives. You know, they had a roughing the passer against Bradley Chubb against the Bears, had a roughing the passer against Von Miller against the Jags, and then yesterday there's a horse collar against Alexander Johnson that, I mean— Tough. Tough call. Yeah. That's a tough call. Maybe a horse collar by the letter of the law, but... A lot of penalties. I think there's 18 penalties combined for nearly 200 yards, something like that. And I know both teams were not happy about certain 
certain plays. Certain but, calls. I mean, that was most of the Broncos' offense was those penalties, the defensive yeah. holding. That got them out of a lot of, lot of bad situations. The Broncos converted just one third down in the second half, and it was that it was a defensive pass interference on Rocky Asin. Uh And that I think part of it was he was holding Cortland so much that the Broncos' offense couldn't take those shots because they couldn't even draw pass interference penalties because the holding was happening first. Yeah. And so the offense had to go five yards, six yards, three yards, five yards, instead of kind of the chunk play. When we've seen the Broncos score this year, it's been on chunk plays generally. Yeah. Especially in the last few weeks. Yes. And so without that, man, you're pretty limited. Yeah. And of course on offense, the play that everybody will be talking about is that third and five call where they handed the ball off to Philip Lindsay Whose decision is that late in the game? Is it Rich Gangarella to go for the run, or is it Vic Fangio who's saying, okay, let's try to play defense here, or, hey, let's set ourselves up for a possible fourth down play? Fangio was asked about that on Monday. I can veto anything that goes in, and I've done it a few times or said what I want. Um, We were going to, you know, if it had gotten to fourth and one or fourth and two, we were going to go for it, Okay. Uh, fourth and five, you know, what it ended up, no, we weren't going to go for it. So there's your answer to that, whether or not, you know, Fangio it could have just stepped in and said, no, we're, let's let's throw it in. You know, if the Broncos got a first down there, that would have been game over for the Broncos, but instead they end up punting, and then uh, it was deja vu all over again. Although Jacoby Brissett after the game did say he thought that the Broncos had the best defense that he's faced this season. I mean, that's probably true. I Broncos, they did a great job. defense is good. Really good. I mean, they allowed what? One, two touchdowns against the Chiefs. They allowed one against the Colts. Didn't, oh, al- good. didn't allow one against the Titans. Didn't allow one against the Chargers. I mean, they've played really good football in October. And part of that is just a, the players have said it again and again. We're just a few weeks now into Vic Fangio's system, and we know what's going on now. And so yeah, the, the defense, not the problem. Not the problem. And now they've got to turn the page and get ready for a Browns team that's coming in. And the bye week, you'll be here after that. And, uh, you know, Chris Harris Jr., his name's been out there on the trade market. The trade deadline is uh, tomorrow afternoon, Tuesday afternoon. He said last week was the hardest week that he's ever had trying to prepare for a game. I think these two days are going to be tough, too. Yeah, we'll have to see what the Broncos uh, end up deciding because – like we just said, the defense has been playing very well. Chris Harris Jr., obviously a huge part of that. And I know that from my perspective, I think that if you can keep this defense together, it it could have a chance to be pretty special, not just this year, but moving forward too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chris is one of those pieces that if the Broncos choose to extend him, there's been reports, obviously, that they want to have those conversations at the end of the year. He's a guy that he still looks like he can play for a few more years and Vic did say uh, say Monday, he, right now he didn't think anybody was going to be traded, hadn't been any discussions, nothing was imminent, but we know that can change quickly. So I, for one, uh, would love to see Chris Harris stick, stick around. We know Chris Harris wants to be here for at least the rest of the year. Uh, he's got a kid being born in a few days. Um, so His fourth daughter. Yeah. Could you imagine? I would be surprised if I woke up one day and all of a sudden had four daughters. You would be surprised, huh? Yeah. If that just poof. Yeah, that would be surprising. What about if you uh, slowly had 
over years. Slowly had them. Four daughters. Probably less surprising than just waking up with four. Yeah. But you would be outnumbered. Chris is outnumbered in the household one to five. That's true. So, like, you know, he's not going to have any say later on. Like, what do you guys want to do today? Chris will have no say in that. Just because they're being drawn along gender lines? Uh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. They're going to, the daughters are going to team up. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And his wife, Leah. That's, that's going to be a tough situation for him. Just saying. I'll take your word for it. But having been around those kids, they're awesome. Very afraid uh, of Miles. They don't like Miles, but uh, uh, Chris is a great dad. He likes to bring his kids to uh, all these little things, football's family on Saturday mornings, sometimes to these uh, different community events. So we've got to know them a little bit throughout the years and a lot of personality. They're awesome. Just like Chris. So, uh, you know, we'll find out on Tuesday if Chris is still around or if any other moves are made and then the Broncos will uh, get set to face the Browns. Fangio was asked, hey, when the defense plays so well and the offense has its struggles, what do you tell the defense? How does the Bron- how do the Broncos move forward and uh, continue to play hard? We're just going to move forward like we would if we were three and five. Okay, we're going to get ready for the Cleveland Browns. We're going to work hard all week, going to have a good week of preparation like these guys have, and we're going to show up on Sunday and put our best foot forward trying to get a win. And I think that's the only way that you can really approach it now is that, hey, let's forget about what the record is. Don't pay any attention to that. Just play as hard as you possibly can and forget about, well, this team did this, this this is what the AFC West looks like, this is what is going on here, and just focus on let's try and get a little bit better this week, and uh, it starts with the Browns. Yep, and that's really the measure of how good of a head coach you are is – can you lead during the good times and keep the guys focused and on the task at hand? Obviously, we've seen some good coaches around here. Gary Kubiak was great at doing that. Uh, but you've also got to be able to get guys kind of out of slumps and not let things, uh, not let seasons get ruined because um, there's always something to play for for these guys. And so even without Joe Flacco, uh, Vic's going to have to find a way to, to get them ready and to keep playing hard and I think it's a pretty safe bet that based on what we've seen so far uh, that that's going to happen. I mean, there's been no blowouts in, except for that Chiefs game, and that was, uh, I think, maybe a little bit of an anomaly. Um, they've played hard every week, been right in these games, a lot of one-possession games, so uh, you'd hope that this weekend would be no difference, but as we mentioned at the very beginning, could come down to, to what Brandon Allen does. And, you know, the Browns come in, and they're in a very similar position where they had – some Super Bowl talks back in August and, you know, they make the move for Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, he's reunited with Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield's going to take this step. And Nick Chubb is a great running back. And it just had the season hasn't gone according to plan for them either. So these are two frustrated teams that are going to be facing off on Sunday. And, you know, uh, there's, I think there's a lot of motivation for the Broncos to say, look, yeah, we're two and six, but we're better than that. Yeah, <clears throat> my voice uh, cracking out because I just get so much ah! so emotional about that. If you really think about things, it could, as a Bronco fan, could make you sick. Three wins taken away like that. If they go the other way, you just yeah, it's hard to think about. 
Yep. I mean, it, it does uh, give me some hope maybe that whether it's this season or next season uh, that they're moving in the right direction. And eventually some of these breaks are going to have to go the other way and things are going to have to work out. And I think it was Derek Wolf who said something in the locker room on Sunday night that was like in 2015 when we won the Super Bowl, we were winning all of these games where, hey, we, we play the Cleveland Browns. I went to overtime. We won that game. We win a Thursday night game against the Chiefs where we're trailing and we, you know, ball bounces our way. So, you know, we beat the Bengals late in the season in overtime. The ball bounced our way. So over time, these things sort of start to even out and the separation between being a really good team and being a average team to being a bad team is razor thin in this league. Yeah, of course. I mean, we've seen that. We've seen that all year. And just a few bounces here or there and who, who knows what, what would happen for this Broncos team. So I, I agree with you, Eric. I think things are moving in the right direction. It's just uh, some growing pains here. It's true. They've been uh, they've been painful. Yeah. Uh, time for our shout outs. Uh, podcast uh, supervisor in uh, residence trying out. I, I would training and sure. residence. He, he's not got the job yet, but he's in training. I think he's missed three consecutive I, podcasts, so it's not really looking not good. good. Uh, ben Swanson, our A, uh, not here today because he's out in the community. Correct. He's painting. Yeah, he was painting some police officers, I think. Yeah, there was some, uh, uh, I believe it was a ride-along, was it? Mm-hmm. So he was out in the community despite... Uh, the snow. Yeah, I think uh, here in the Mile High City, we got uh, 57 inches of snow last night. It's true. Um, I just personally slept here at the facility. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what I usually do, doing some R things. I mean, we despite living here for several years, could still kind of learn from young intern extraordinaire Emily Samanskis because when we got back to Denver, both of us had forgotten coats. You know, we were dressed yeah. for the warm weather of Indianapolis. I was wearing a T-shirt. Exactly. And Emily, she remembered her parka, you know, had snow boots. Mm-hmm. She was ready to go as we got off the plane. She's Canadian. That's true. She knew what she yeah. was doing, and we were like, darn, it would have been really nice to remember to bring a jacket. Emily, how were you so prepared when we got off the plane? I had looked extensively at the weather forecast. The Doppler 5000? Yes, dual Doppler. <laughs> dual Doppler. Wow, both. I, I tweeted out something. I said, I think that we might have accidentally landed in Alaska. And uh, I was informed by a couple of Broncos fans who live in Alaska that they don't have any snow up in the great north. Really? Yeah, but this is the third snow here in Denver. That's ever, early. Ever? Is it, of the season. Oh. The third? Third I think snow. It's the second. No, it's the third snow. I also thought it was the second. Um, you can uh, go back and look at my Twitter account because anytime <laughs> it snows, I always tweet a picture of it. So That's fair. Yeah, it's uh, definitely the third snow. So come at me. Bro in the uh, snow, yo. I'm sort of a weather boy, and so I do mm. all the... But today was a big day for the injury boy. It was. This was kind of... Uh, I mean, I asked the question that Vic responded to. I said, is Joe okay? He mentioned that he was hurt. Vic um, said, no, he's not. So would you say you broke the news? No, I wouldn't say that. I don't think you say something like that in a press conference setting. At Eric Delala had that first. Vic Fangio told me 
That I could that I could tweet. I don't do that. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm not a big fan either. It's a press conference. But he did tell he was looking at Vic Fangio looking me in the eyes, says. Was it scary a little or no? No, I felt uh, remorse. Really? Yeah. I think he said something like, uh, Joe Flacco s- sleeps with the fishes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's upset the wrong family. Yeah. No. He, Le- didn't, he didn't say that. Leave Flacco, take the cannolis. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Emily, uh, what's going on with the horse community? <laughs> big big game for Emily Colts Broncos. Yeah, Colts Broncos, lots of horses. They played My Little Pony on the Jumbotron as the Colts ran out, or excuse me, as the Broncos ran out. For the record, Colts are traditionally smaller and weaker than Broncos, though it didn't look like it on Sunday for us. Oh my gosh. I think that has to definitely get edited out. Yep, we'll have to take that <laughs> out. That's okay. Wow. Uh, what else is going on in the community? We didn't have our normal meeting this morning with Liz. We did, yeah, we didn't. Have oh, I have, I have some, I have some community updates. If you've ever wanted those, let me just pull this up uh, right here. Shout out to Liz Manis. Of course, the going gets gets tough, but the community doesn't get going. I don't think you said that right. You said the community doesn't get going. Yeah, you didn't. It say is that always right. going. Right, yeah. they don't get going because they stay going. Ah, I got it. Got it. Got it. Um, there's there's a Halloween visit to the Children's Hospital. Some That's Broncos, Tuesday, right? Some Broncos players are going to dress up, uh, go visit some patients there. Kind of a kind of a cool deal. You were, you were going to dress up as like a forty year old with a back problem, right? Um, well, when I was a kid, I always dressed up as Frankenstein because I was bigger than everybody else. <laughs> You've got the head for it. Yeah, big head. Um, some bolts coming out of my neck. Yeah, I've always wondered about those. It and then, makes it easy to hang your coat, though, in the morning. You just kind of take it off and slip it over the peg coming from your neck. Yeah, I always have a coat with me. Yeah. And then I used to just stuff a uh, pillow underneath my shirt and go, and then boom. What was the pillow for? Just so I looked bigger looked like bigger. a Frankenstein. Got it. Are you still doing that? or? No, I don't do that anymore. Broncos cafeteria's got you taken care of. Oh, nice shot. <laughs> you know I'm in the gym grinding. Er day, <laughs> er er day, e r r, exactly. Yeah, Emily. Any uh, Halloween? What would you wear as a Halloween costume to Children's Hospital Colorado? Ooh, a Canadian. I would be a Canadian. I would probably wear denim, like a denim. Mountie. Maybe a Mountie. Like, you go. Moose. Maybe you could dress up like a moose. Canadian tuxedo. I don't know if children like, would understand uh, that reference. Britney Spears, didn't she do that? Um, maybe you could do like a uh, bottle of maple syrup. Yeah, you could dress up as Tim Horton. I could bring my Canadian candy. That's true. Um, Tim Horton's sponsorship rub. Yeah, apologies. We, Sorry, we, loaf and jug. We buy our donuts exclusively oh, at... Conoco. Conoco is the official uh, gas station, I think. Conoco. Do, do they have... Uh, Tim Horton's is not a gas station. Oh, oh my gosh. Don't say that name again. <laughs> Emily, stop. <laughs> Fired. We buy donuts at King Supers. It's true. Um, okay, any other shout-outs, or should we just tell people Shout where out to we... Steve Atwater. Shout-out to Steve Atwater. It's his birthday. Happy birthday. Nice also, job, Emily. Uh, Terrell Davis. What, what are the odds that those two are born on the same day? 50-50. Duh. 
ridiculous actually, question. By actually, you. probably uh, one in three hundred and sixty-five. That's actually not how odds work. It'd be one over three sixty-five times one over three sixty-five, and then and then cross multiply it and then divide. Nope, just a regular multiply. It'd be one <laughs> in one hundred and thirty-three thousand two hundred and twenty-five. Wow! Wow! Broncos got lucky. Fifty-fifty. Exactly that. Um, you can actually kind of work that down, simplify it to fifty-fifty. <laughs> yeah, lowest common denominator. Exactly. Fifty-fifty. <laughs> Knew it. Math. Hashtag math. The neutral zone's got it all. Speaking um, of hashtags, no one has hashtagged the neutral zone and sent well, in any okay. comments. Please comment in and let us know what what do you think of the neutral zone. I don't know if this was a dream I had or not. Maybe I just, it's always good. But um, I recall you telling me that someone had tweeted us with an audio message. Did that happen or is that a dream? That was, it was all a dream. Well, the neutral zone infiltrating my dreams. Yeah. We did uh, take a nice neutral zone photo together in Indianapolis. We did. Uh, even Ben Swanson was uh, identified in the background. Yeah, kind of in it. So anyway, uh, please reach out on Twitter if you have a comment, a concern, or if you want to be heard here on the Neutral Zone, just send us stuff. Please, I'm begging you. Whatever it is. Please. Just, just send stuff. Say hello. Hooray. Hello. Uh, at Eric Dalala. A-R-I-C-D-I-L-A-L-L-A. It's kind of like banana, except with L's. It's Dalala. <laughs> D-I-L-A-L-L-A. Exactly. That's pretty good. That was amazing. Emily's shook. <laughs> you shook. It worked out so well. Great Twitter handle. That's true. It used to be Hey There, Delala. Are you serious? Yes. That's also spectacular. That's, uh, that's what Steve Atwater used to call you, Delilah. That's true. <laughs> and what does he call you now? Country Club. CC. Unbeknownst reasons. Yeah, that's because you always look like you came from the country club. Um, if say if you were driving from the country club uh, to work here, yeah, where would you be listening to the Neutral Zone? Well, I like to listen to the Neutral Zone on iTunes, but you could also listen on TuneIn, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Spotify, correct? Yep. Those are probably the. Those are the ways. Quick Those time. Are, yeah. Quick yeah. time, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, uh, I think that pretty much sums up what uh, the current state of the Broncos and what we learned on Monday from head coach Vic Fangio. We'll be back later in the week with another edition of the Neutral Zone as we get set to host the Cleveland Browns. But until then, for Emily Samanskis, at Eric Dalala, at Phil, Mil I'm F at Phil Milani, and you've been listening to... The Neutral Zone. Zone.